Well, I want to start today by telling you a parable. Now, we're all familiar with the amazing parables that Jesus taught and how captivating they were and how much knowledge was gained by hearing them, but also by reading them now and by studying them. But I want you to know this may not be one of those amazing parables. This one is not by Jesus. It is by me. But I want to start by telling you a kind of parable about the way that gratitude works or doesn't work. Let's say you're on a vacation. Let's just say Myrtle Beach. And you go into the, one of the many stores in Myrtle Beach that sell the exact same thing as every other store in Myrtle Beach. You've got your boogie boards and you've got your t-shirts and you've got your beach blankets. Well, let's say you have a son, and we'll just call him Ethan. <laughs> a handsome young man. I was going to tell a different parable, and I was going to use uh, a different guy from this church at the beach. <laughs> would, would a little bit of sun hurt that guy? Or a, or a gym membership? Anyways, let's say you have a son named Ethan. And he's running through that store. And he's just running through at a furious pace with a gleam in his eye. And he's desiring every single thing that's in that store. And he spots a shark tooth necklace. And he says, Dad, would you buy it for me? I have got to have it. I absolutely can't live without this necklace. And you say, no, I will not. I am not going to buy you something every time we come into a store. You cannot have it. I will not get this for you. And your son, Ethan, says, but you don't understand. I have got to have this. I want this more than anything that I have ever wanted in my entire life. And if you get it for me, I will never ask for anything again. I will be grateful for the rest of my life, until the day I die, if I can just have this shark tooth necklace. So let's say you buy the shark tooth necklace. But let's say it works, just as your son said. He grows up to be a joyful, contented, grateful person. I mean, sure, he's faced with obstacles throughout his life. Maybe he strikes out with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth and loses the game. Or maybe he misses the free throw that would have won his team the championship. He gets married. She leaves him. His kids grow up to be disappointments. He becomes an old man, alone. Social security breaks down. He has to live from hand to mouth. But he never complains not once, because he got that shark tooth necklace. And it brought him lasting satisfaction. Wasn't that a sweet parable? Now, of course, only a small child could ever be that deceived, right? You see, I think it's possible for human beings to go their whole lives saying, I would be grateful when, if I could only have, 
And you've got to choose. You know, you can say, I will be grateful when, and then you can fill in the blank, whatever it is that you want. You can say, I will be grateful when, or you can say, I will be grateful now. And this leads us into the teaching, Exodus 15. And here's what's going on. God has delivered the people of Israel. They were slaves. They didn't have a prayer. They didn't have a hope in the world. They did whatever the Pharaoh told them to do until the day they died. And they thought of freedom as their wildest dream. If I could ever be free, the people thought, then I'd be grateful for the rest of my life. I mean, imagine, after centuries upon centuries of slavery to get the whiff of freedom, and then the experience of it, and then to be delivered into freedom, and to have the promise of a new land, and then to even have your old enemy destroyed, so now you have the security of freedom. I mean, surely, surely the people of God who have been delivered from slavery into freedom will be grateful for the rest of their lives. I mean, God leads them through the Red Sea. The Pharaoh and his army are destroyed. And they have this marvelous worship, this amazing song of praise that takes up most of the 15th chapter of Exodus. It says, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider He has thrown into the sea. So there's this amazing outpouring of grateful worship. Then they go out from the Red Sea into the wilderness. Now it's three days later. Three days have passed. These people were into freedom three days. Look at verse 23. When they came to Merah, they could not drink the water of Merah because it was bitter. This was why it was called Merah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And so Moses cries out to God. And we're three days into this deal. And there's already complaining. And there's already grumbling. And God intervenes. God makes for them sweet water to drink. So now they have deliverance from Pharaoh. Destruction of his army. And water. Now surely they'll be grateful forever. Right? Chapter 16. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord... In the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. So now these people have raised complaining to a whole new art form. If only we had died in Egypt. So in other words, we're not asking for much here. If we just could have had a a quick death while our bellies were full. If we just had bread then we'd be grateful forever. We'd even be willing to settle for death. Anything would be better than this. 
And so God intervenes again. Chapter 16, verse 13. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Now it was called manna. And the reason is, is because manna is the Hebrew phrase for what is it. That's what it is. It's manna. So God provided again for His people. And it was an amazing food. We're told that it tasted like wafers made with honey. And it was very versatile. And I think of the thing in, when Bubba's in Forrest Gump, and he's talking about all the different ways that you can prepare shrimp. And you think about that with manna. Because you could grill it or you could fry it. You could make manna burgers, manna cotti, manana cream pie. There was all kinds of stuff you could do with this. But they were getting their bellies full. So now they have freedom. They have sweet water to drink. And they've got manna. So they're going to be grateful until the day they die. Right? Let's go to Numbers chapter 11. And this is still telling about the children of God in the wilderness. It says the rabble among them had a strong craving, and the Israelites also wept again and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we used to eat in Egypt for nothing. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic, all that wonderful food. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. So this goes on and on. It's like a sickness. It's like a disease. And if you notice another thing about this syndrome, this whole ingratitude syndrome, it's contagious. If you look at verse 10, Numbers 11, verse 10, it says, Moses heard the people weeping throughout their families all at the entrances of the tents. Then the Lord became very angry, and Moses was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, Why have you treated your servant so badly? Why have I not found favor in your sight that you lay the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them that you should say to me, Carry them on your bosom as a nurse carries a sucking child to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where am I to get meat to give to all these people? For they come weeping to me and say, Give us meat to eat. I am not able to carry all these people alone, for they are too heavy for me. If this is the way you are going to treat me, put me to death at once if I've not found favor in your sight. Don't let me see more misery. So, wow. Everyone's calling for Dr. Kevorkian now at this point. The whole bunch of them. And you see, when followers give in to this syndrome... As you see, it can destroy the leader. And when the leaders are filled with this kind of darkness, those of you that are involved in some kind of leadership, once you allow it to infect you, the whole group can go south. Joy. Everything just plummets. And everybody just wants to quit or die. Complaining. Complaining is destructive. If you think about how much time you actually spend complaining. Think about it for a second. 
You complain about money. You complain about your weight. You complain about your in-laws. You complain about your in-laws' weight. You complain about your jobs. I mean, some of you right now are saying, this is stupid, even thinking about how much I complain. But I want you to see, seriously, I want you to see how God takes this. And if you look at Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth, which is 1 Corinthians, and looking at chapter 10, verse 6, Paul is reviewing lessons that we need to learn from the history of the people of Israel. And in this section, he talks about some mistakes. These are mistakes that we need to learn from. And he talks about four mistakes. And I want you to notice the four of these. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6 says, Now these things occurred as examples to us, so that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not become idolaters, as some of them did, as it's written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse 8 says we must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. So first is idolatry, which is idol worship, and then it's sexual immorality. Third, it says we must not put Christ to the test. And the idea of this is deliberate, willful defiance. We must not deliberately, willfully defy God. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. But then, look at verse 10. It says, and do not complain as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. And do not complain. So look what he puts together. Idolatry, idol worship. Would you agree that sounds pretty serious? Sexual immorality, we know that to be very serious. Willful defiance of God, that sounds pretty serious. And then at the climax of that list, the awesome destructive power of ingratitude. Because you see, we live in a society where people perceive themselves to be entitled to having all their desires fulfilled. Or else they accord themselves victim status when it doesn't happen. We live in a culture of complaint and it forms our minds and it forms our hearts. You know, we deserve to have expensive things even when we can't afford it. Just put it on the card. Because we deserve to watch that Colts game on a huge plasma TV. We deserve to be sexually satisfied even when we're not married because everybody else is doing it. But we have to choose. One option is to do as the Israelites did, to grumble through life, to say, I'm going to wait for things to get aligned so that I can feel grateful. I'm going to be grateful when I get that job that I've been wanting. Or I get that car that I've been wanting. Or that house that I've been wanting. Or maybe that spouse that I've been wanting. The other way is the way that the Scriptures teach. And it says that gratitude is not the result of external circumstances lining upright. It's the byproduct of a certain kind of character. Gratitude is something that is developed from the inside. 
It doesn't just descend upon you. It flows out of an awareness of the goodness of God. So in the moments that we have left, I'm going to run through a series of questions that you and I have got to get right if we're going to enter into lives of gratitude. If we are honestly going to be grateful. And the first one is this, and it's very important. Who am I going to make responsible for the joy and gratitude factor of my life? Who am I going to make responsible for the joy and gratitude factor of my life? And the only answer to this is you've got to take responsibility for the joy and the gratitude factor of your life. You do. Not your boss. Not your spouse. Not your kids. It's absolutely got to be you. Life is too short. Life is way too short. Don't just take it for granted. It can be snuffed out any second, and it is every single day. Have we not noticed this in the, in the last few weeks? I think about the firefighter that died. And I remember in the paper seeing the grieving wife and the three kids. And I think, man, I got three kids. Or the tragedy that hit our own church family, our own friends in here. Life is a gift. Absolutely a gift. And you cannot put your joy, you can't put your gratitude in the hands of another person. And you dare not wait for someone or something to come along so all of a sudden you can become grateful. Now the second question is, when am I going to practice gratitude? When am I going to practice gratitude? When am I going to do it? Again, the Bible is very clear on this. Paul says to the church, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his character, it's what it's saying. The way that he would do it. And then he adds this phrase, giving thanks. So whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in Jesus' name, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The 100th Psalm, verse 4 says, Enter into his gates. That is, come into the presence of God, live in the presence of God, with thanksgiving in your hearts. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. The psalmist says in Psalm 118, verse 26, This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. In this day, it says. The psalmist didn't say yesterday was the day God made, nor does he say tomorrow is the day God will make. It says today. If you're going to be happy to rejoice, to give thanks to God, it must be in this day, for this is the day that God has made. This is the day that, for which Jesus Christ died. You see, we live with this illusion that someday, someday something's going to happen. Something good enough that's going to make me feel grateful. I think about my first mission trip that I took. And if anybody's thinking about this Joplin, they should definitely go to this orientation because these things are life-changing. 
We had a team go to Gulfport, Mississippi, right after Hurricane Katrina. And I, I was one of the ones that went. And I was new in the church. I mean, I was new to church, period, because I didn't go to church, period, growing up. So this was in my first year of going to this church. And, and I'll tell a story first. And, but we was, uh, on the way there, we stopped at Wendy's. And everybody was gathered around. There was like 12 people. And Chris, this must have been when he first started picking on me. I don't know. But Chris comes in and says, Chuck, I need you to bless the food. And I was like, dude, you've got to be kidding me. I have never blessed food in my life. I've never prayed in front of anybody before. I mean, I was terrified. Don't let that scare you on going to Joplin. He, that has never happened again. It was just a one-time thing to me only. But anyways... We had a team go to Gulfport, and uh, there was this little old lady we was doing work for, and she was living in a FEMA trailer. I mean, she was packed in this little FEMA trailer, raising her grandkids. The hurricane had taken everything, wiped out her house, wiped out her car, wiped out pictures of her entire life. I mean, everything this lady, this little old lady owned was in this trailer, this little box, this little shed. And this woman was always smiling. She was always so happy. And she was offering us water. And if you don't know water, they didn't have water there after a hurricane. Anheuser-Busch shut down production of beer and started making water in just cans with white labels and black lettering said water. And it was horrible tasting water for you coming in after drinking, you know, the other stuff. But this lady was offering us water. And she was just always smiling, and we gave her a Walmart card after we got done. And the card had $200 on it. And she was just crying and praising God, and she said that she didn't even have 25 cents to her name to buy her grandkids a piece of gum. And she was just praising God. And this lady wasn't waiting for tomorrow to be grateful. She was grateful then then and that day. And it makes me think, what am I waiting for? How can I think that someday something is going to come along to make me feel grateful? I guarantee if you take a child from a third world country, a hungry child from a third world country, and put him in anybody's shoes in this place, that kid would be grateful. I guarantee it. So when do we need to practice gratitude? And the answer is today. Today we need to practice gratitude. Third question, what should we be grateful for? What should we be grateful for? And the answer is everything. We should be grateful for everything. Give thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now apply some understanding to this because it doesn't mean we're supposed to give thanks for tragedy or for sin or something like that. What it means is that the masters of gratitude, people that actually master the art of gratitude, they learn to experience as a gift from God what other people take for granted. They just learn to perceive that life is a steady stream of gifts. Try this tomorrow. Try to make tomorrow a no-complaint day. When you get up in the morning, try to see how, see how long you can go without complaining about something. Some of you may be able to go hours 
Some of you may be able to go minutes. Some of you may be able to actually make it through an entire day. Do something nice that will keep you on track a little bit tomorrow. Send a text to someone. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Or give someone a small gift for no reason at all, just except to show that your gratitude for them. That's something I always like to do. And a lot of you are always on the receiving end of random texts that I just shoot out. I just things that I try to encourage someone when I know that they're going through a storm or something tough may be happening in their life. Or maybe I just want somebody to know that I appreciate their friendship, that I value them. Or maybe sometimes it's just a reminder to let them know that God loves them. Because that's something that we all have a tendency to forget about sometimes. There's a friend of mine here in the church. His name's Mike King. I think we may have a picture. There he is. Another handsome guy. He's constantly giving people small gifts just to let them know that they are an important part of his life. I mean, it's little bookmarks with Scripture or CDs or hugs. I was never a hug kind of guy until I got in this church. I, was, I never liked to hug people, and hugging guys was definitely not my comfort zone. An occasional chest bump or something like that at a Colts game, but that was about it. Then I met Mike King, and this guy would hug me when I walked into a room. When I walked out to go to the bathroom, he would hug me. When I came back in, he would hug me again. If Mike King has never hugged you, it's because he doesn't like you, okay? Trust me on this one. Mike is so generous. Mike is so well-liked that if you would go to Dairy Queen after this celebration, it has to be the one on the south end of town, you tell them that Mike King sent you and they will give you any treat on the menu for regular price. I guarantee it. But that is the kind of guy Mike is. He, he's just a great guy. He's a good friend of mine, and I'm grateful for his friendship. So what should you be grateful for? Everything. Next question, what about when I'm disappointed? Because we all get disappointed at times. Life doesn't always throw fastballs in the strike zone. Sometimes you get a curve and you miss it. Or sometimes you get hit by a pitch and it hurts. When I'm disappointed, I like to practice what I call defiant gratitude. Defiant gratitude. And if we go to the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament, chapter 3, verse 17, this is what's written, and I think it's very beautiful. It says, Though the fig trees does not blossom, and no fruit is on the vines, though the produce of the olive fails, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes to tread upon the heights. So though the fig trees doesn't blossom, fruit's not on the vine, the olive tree fails, the fields yield no food, the flocks cut off from the fold, no herd in the stalls, nevertheless, I will be grateful. Grateful in spite of. 
There's a boy named David Rothenberg. He's a little boy who was burnt when he was just tiny. He was burned in a fit of rage by his own father who poured kerosene over his bed and over his body and lit a match. He was burned so badly that 95% of his body was covered with third-degree burns. And to this day, he virtually has no skin. Doctors estimate that he will have 5,000 operations throughout the course of his life. 5,000 operations just to keep him alive. And when he was seven years old, this was his comment. So this is the comment of a seven-year-old boy with no skin because he was burned by his father. He said, I'm alive. I'm alive. I didn't miss out on living, and this is wonderful enough for me. So the question you've got to ask is, what's wonderful enough for you? What's wonderful enough for you? Where do you draw the line? What's wonderful enough? Because you know, people often ask or wonder, if God wants me to be grateful, I mean, if that's such a big deal, why doesn't He just give me everything that I want? And then I'd be grateful. But if you think about it like a parent, with a child, the most certain way to raise an ungrateful child is to give them everything that they want. And you know the experience, the experience of frustration, the experience of disappointment at times is irreplaceable in the development of a grateful heart. I mean, if you lead people, if you parent people... Children, you do them no favor if you try to make their life as easy as possible trying to make them feel grateful. That's why for me, a discipline like fasting is very helpful in developing gratefulness in my heart. Because when I fast, which for me is just refraining from food for long periods of time, but I learn it's possible for me to have unfulfilled desires and still survive. And it carries over into other areas of my life, other desires that I have. Because we live in a world that says you can't survive with unfulfilled desires. And when I fast, I learn that that's not true. That it's possible to have unfulfilled desires and still have joy still have gratitude. And maybe one day I'll no longer live at the mercy of unfulfilled desires. We need to learn that we're just not bundles of desire waiting to be filled up. Because we go through this illusion that I talked about that if I just had, if I just had the house that I want, if I just had the car, the clothes, the spouse, the marriage the kids that I want, the career that I want, the success that I want. If I just had all of that, then I'd be grateful. And it just isn't so. 
especially if you are a follower of Christ. You are made in the image of God. And not only that, God loves you. God calls you His child. Jesus came to teach, to live, to die on the cross, to be resurrected. You have a future that's assured with God forever. And that's not all. You have been received into God's ultimate dream. His community. You a part, you're a part of the church. His church. His body. You belong. You can love. You can be loved. That's not all. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You have been gifted. You've been made in unique ways to make an eternal contribution to the work of God. You've got a mission. And God works through you even though you mess up at times. That's why this mission fair today is so important. God wants you plugged in with the gifts that He's given you to help His church. God doesn't want a few people doing everything. He wants everybody doing something. But back to the point here. Here's what I'm saying. If all of this is not enough to make you feel grateful, the gift of life, being a child of God, salvation through Christ, a royal priesthood in this church, guidance and power through the Holy Spirit, then what is? What is? Think about this. You can go on filling in the blank for the rest of your life, and it will never be enough. Circumstances and possessions cannot create a grateful person. It cannot create a grateful heart. It's not going to happen. You must humbly become a student of Jesus and learn to give thanks at all times to become a grateful person. Let's close in prayer. Dear God, we just uh, thank you. I just pray that each one of our hearts are softened a little bit. I just pray that we're able to be a little more grateful from this point forward, appreciate things that we have, appreciate the relationship with you, appreciate your church, the church family. Allow us to be able to search in, in, inside ourselves and see maybe where where you lead us to. In this ministry fair, when we get done here, allow us to walk up to one of the tables. Are you calling us to go to the greeting table or the sound table to get plugged in a little bit more, to be able to be a bigger link in the chain? There's gifts that you've given each one of us, gifts that maybe we know about, maybe we don't know about, stuff that we haven't even used yet. Maybe you want us to just walk up to the Celebrate Recovery table that one's not even about serving. Just look through stuff. Everybody in this place could use Celebrate Recovery. God, allow us to walk out of here today with a little more of a smile on our face, a little less complaining in our hearts, 
Allow us to be not short-tempered. Just allow us to be grateful that we have you, a God that loves us in spite of all the things that we get ourselves into. So in Jesus' name, we lift you up. Amen. Enjoy the ministry fair. Know you're always loved in this place. And we will see you next week.